everyone. Welcome back to Material Feels. This is the reunion episode and turns out, look who it is. Hi, that's Liz Delise. And guess what? We're together. Oh my God, we're in the same room. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for your contributions. That was a little cameo from associate producer Liz Delise. Uh, We are in the same place at the same time, which has not happened the entire time that Material Feels has been in existence. Pretty exciting. This month's show is part reunion episode, part midsummer intermission. We'll be hearing from all the guests we featured about the rituals they associate with their creative practices. And I've got an update for you. By the time this episode drops, Material Feels will be at an artist residency at the Freehold Art Exchange in Freehold, New York. I've been traveling over the past week and a half, and as you might pick up from the raspy Francesca vibe I'm giving off, (laughs) my material, my voice, is not used to this amount of use. Turns out, vocal rest is something quarantine kind of naturally enforces. I have been talking more than I've ever talked over the past week and a half since before COVID. And it turns out I have a lot to say. Uh, I managed to see an entire branch of my family in the general Philly area. And the only time over the course of a seven hour hangout that the talking stopped was the 0.5 seconds while the waiter took a picture of all of us. My usual routine of solitude and herbal tea has been a little disrupted. Thanks for sticking with me through this lower raspier vibe. I actually like it, but it's, you know, it's different. Next month, we will be exploring the materials used for ritual with ritualist Colleen Thomas, producer of a podcast called Shame Pinata. Take a listen to her show in the meantime. Colleen explores the rituals and ceremonies people utilize to process life transition. A ritual is a mindful series of actions carried out for a specific purpose. I'm guessing like me, you want to nurture your creative spirit. How can rituals strengthen our relationship to our creativity? I wanted to take this opportunity to delve deeper into that concept, the question of how ritual relates to all the kinds of creative conversations that it's possible to have with the material world and with ourselves. Hey everyone, it's Matthew from episode one, Material Feels. And One of the strangest creative rituals that I have for my art practice is cleaning. (laughs) Because I use my space, my studio, to host events and to teach others how to work with clay, I, I often only get to use my space after I've already been in it all day long. And so I I have classes with lots of kids or adults or I'm teaching. And when they all leave, I clean, I wipe the tables down, I mop the floor. And then that's when it becomes my time to use my space. And over the last decade or so, I've become, um, I've gotten to where I've associated the act of cleaning with uh, my own time and my own practice to, to work on my art. So it's the gateway to my creative space. Uh, I tend to have this bubbling excitement about how I'm going to work in this space and how I'm going to use it. And I'm, to be honest, going to really destroy it again and make a big giant mess. My best ideas 
while I'm wiping clay off of the table or wiping it off of a potter's wheel. I start thinking about what I'm gonna make. I really associate that whole practice of going through the studio thoroughly and cleaning it up with the act of making a giant mess again. So I don't, I don't really know <laughs> how to make sense out of that, but that's a part of my practice. Part of my creative space is, is making sure that it's nice and clean right before I utterly destroy it. If you have any sort of rituals that tie into your creative practice, what are they and could you share them with me? Do I? <laughs> I caught up on the phone with Danielle, the weaver from episode two. What I realized is that a huge part of my creative practice for me to really get into it, I had rituals that I didn't even realize that they were rituals. What I found is that when I create my space to feel like home, that's ritual for me. So when I come in, it already feels like home. It doesn't feel like work to me. In my studio, the way that I have set it up is that the centerpiece is a communal table that has benches all the way around it. And it has flowers, it has it has tarot cards on it, it has pieces that when, when people come and they sit at that table, they ask about them. So when I walk into the space, it's something that like the eye generally goes directly to the center of it is um, home and connection. And so bef usually before I get into my work, I sit down at that space, even if I'm by myself, and I feel that that connection. Um, so mm. for me, it's about bringing in plants. It's about bringing in, um, it's about bringing things that, that center me that don't necessarily have anything to do with my work. They right. bring a, just a feeling of home um, and connection. The other thing for me around ritual is I think for a really long time, um, I looked at cleaning and things like that as procrastination. And what I've found is that cleaning and uh, placing things within my space is actually a ritual that clears my energy and brings me into a place of being able to work um, and be in my creative space. And so, um, yeah, just that idea of procrastination has really switched into, oh, this is actually ritual. Let me go into the space. And usually my entire state of being is very different from when I first go into the cleaning process to the I'm ready to work. That allows me to be really messy in my space when I'm working. And then the cleanup process actually like ties it all back together and clears the space for the next project. I love the idea of creating an intentional centerpiece in the creative space where you think, make, work, dream. And I've noticed now that two of our creatives have mentioned tidying or cleaning as an important ritual. Next, I chatted with Dominique, the woodworker from episode three. I think for me, Definitely, um, this, this past year, having a workspace that's kind of separate from my living space has really helped just kind of like set the boundary of this is where I create, 
and work and then keeping that that balance that like kind of like work life balance i think it makes a huge difference because before you know those lines were kind of blurred and then having this workspace it kind of helped me realize oh like even if you know that day i'm not really feeling creative i'm not really sure if i'm stuck on something just coming into the workspace seeing kind of like my tools and like what i have in progress and just seeing the material kind of gets my brain like in the right space it's it's almost instant as soon as i get here i just i immediately am in the like the right space and and can kind of get going and just focus on what i need to do i think a lot of people resonated with that like just having a physical space having tools around you that suddenly your mind shifts and that's like the focus right i don't know for me sometimes i need for some reason i need to like change my outfit or like when I do narration, I dress up. <laughs> yeah. Like, even though no one can see me. I don't know. Is there anything like that that you yeah. do? <laughs> yes. I bought um, a work apron from Morgan, who who runs uh, Mo-, Mo Murray, Oakland. They do, like, handmade bags and aprons and things. And I was kind of eyeing their aprons for a long time. I was like, you know, I, I really want one. You know, I'll eventually I'll, I'll get one. And so this year I finally said, okay, I'm, I'm doing this for myself. I'm, I'm going to get a work apron. Um, they had this color that I really loved. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And even just when I get here and I put on that apron, like that also just like, okay, I'm like, okay, now I'm in the zone, like ready to go. Nice. Um, <laughs> I love that. I, it's like adornment. Yeah, it's You're adorning like, yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and before, you know, it's just like, yeah, I'll just kind of throw on, you know, like, I'll throw on whatever. I'll throw on something that's, like, already dirty. And I'm just going to get dirty anyway. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. Right. But, like, yeah, it's surprising that <laughs> throwing on something like a work apron just kind of, like, okay, like, now I'm, I'm ready for anything. Yeah, it's your superhero cape. Right, yeah. Hey, Catherine, it's Red. I wonder if you remember me from the uh, from the cocktails episode of Material Fuels. In these myriad new endeavors that life continues to lay at our feet, I think our is a new pronoun I wanna, I wanna use. Them, they, his, hers, ours. Yeah, I'm thinking about new ritual, how I'm approaching all this work that keeps unfolding um, when it's time to to engage the work, when it's time to build a new bread or write a new woe out or I guess craft a new cocktail. I, um, I try to clear the space and invite whoever's there to guide me in, make sure I have a clean palette to begin with in whatever regard, do some breathing and try to clear as much of my of my imbalances as I can, especially if I'm preparing something to nourish others or something to, that can potentially alter the state of someone else. I invite whoever's in the room, all of my crew that looks out for me closer. I want to receive as much information as possible. I want to be a transmission for that information for the light of that information and so a lot of that comes by recognizing 
who and what I am and how truly plural that is. Yeah. I think those are good starts. Hello, everyone. This is associate producer Liz. I was featured in the episode of Material Feels on Sound. I also write an original song inspired by each episode of Material Feels, and I contribute underscores. The way that I know that it's time for me to play music or write, I can feel it in my body. If I haven't played for a certain amount of time, I can just feel the anxiety in my body, in my stomach, in my throat. Um, I feel on edge and it clicks. And I'm like, oh, I need to hold a guitar. Every every year I feel like I get a little bit better at recognizing that feeling before it gets like super intense. Um, but it's so funny how, how easy it is to forget and take for granted how important that experience and practices of just sitting down and and playing and like thinking about it like playtime you know I'm not necessarily sitting down and practicing scales or or anything like that it's just uh it's like oh let me just <laughs> hold this instrument that helps me feel grounded and and you know like my full self if I listen to a song that just I don't know it just like moves me in this particular way I get this, I get this feeling, this like warm feeling in my chest. It's like an adrenaline rush kind of. I, I know that that's a time to go and play because it's, you know, embodied inspiration and therefore having um, some kind of like physical practice is really important for me too. I've been trying to, you know, every day just do a, a little something active that that kind of routine helps me to um, stay consistently connected to myself. Part of allowing myself the space from whatever time I need to like build up to, you know, writing and working on a song is maybe doing something else that's creative. Like I've gotten I've gotten really into sewing. Um, that's a positive thing that the time at home during COVID has has offered to me is like maybe some creative problem solving because I have limited skills. I have this sort of like urge to to create something, to literally like create, make something, recognizing that that is an important step in my ritual to, you know, get to this point where I can really like connect and open up to myself. I'm realizing more and more like the music that I make is like it's like super personal and it's often really intimidating to think about sitting down and working on it because that means I'm going to have to probably acknowledge and face some like challenging feelings that I'm having and I'm not always ready to do that. So learning to be gentle with myself, ongoing process. This episode was recorded on various indigenous lands from Dominique, Matthew, Zai, Zach, and Alexis residing on Ohlone land in the so-called Bay Area to Danielle, residing on the lands of the Nipmuc, or freshwater people. Deborah phoned in from the land of the Lenny Lenape people, and Alicia and Carolina recorded on the ancestral lands of the Southern Ute Indian tribe. This episode's narration was recorded on Lenape land and produced and mixed on the lands of the Mohicans, the people of the waters that are never still. I learned this all through a living interactive map compiled by Native Land Digital. 
an Indigenous-led organization striving to foster conversations about the history of colonialism, Indigenous ways of knowing, and settler-Indigenous relations through educational resources. Visit their map at native-land.ca, where you can filter the map to learn about territories, languages, and or treaties all over the world. This interactive map is an incredible introductory resource for learning about the occupied lands known as the United States. Here is an excerpt from Native Land Digital's mission. Native Land Digital strives to go beyond old ways of talking about indigenous people and to develop a platform where indigenous communities can represent themselves and their histories on their own terms. Native Land Digital creates spaces where non-indigenous people can be invited and challenged to learn more about the lands they inhabit, the history of those lands, and how to actively be a part of a better future going forward together. Next, we hear from Zach, the fire spinner and music maker from the season two teaser on the art of poi. First, I, I have to always make sure that like I'm feeling it, that I'm able to uh, bring myself there. And that's not always the case for me, but I can come from a neutral state, I suppose, into a uh, much more creative state by step two, which is opening myself. I need to make sure that I am open. I firmly believe that the creative process, uh, regardless of if you're working with other physical people, is a collaborative event, whether that's you know, based on your belief system, you collaborating with God or spirits, energies, or even just parts of yourself. There's a lot of communication that's happening. So being open to that. And then the third part is maintaining that communication, being open and then creating a dialogue with that, engaging with it. Hello, this is Alicia and Carolina from Pineywood Atlas, and we were part of the episode on time. So in discussing our creative ritual um, in preparing for working on Pineywood Atlas, we realized that our ritual is actually discussion. Um, as a, cl- a collaborative project, we need to kind of just talk about things in order to figure out where to go next. Yeah, and part of talking about what our creative ritual is, we both realized that neither of us separate our lives from our creative practice. We both have woven it into our everyday life. So everything about getting ready for the day, making our beverage, getting out of our pajamas, doing yoga and meditation is part of life and it's part of our art. Yep. That's it. (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's Zai from the episode on paper. And my ritual when I'm getting ready to work is to make a hot cup of tea. And then I put on my noise-canceling headphones. Something about closing in my auditory soundscape um, really helps me focus. It helps me get in the zone, even if I'm not listening to anything. And even if the background noise isn't even that bad. Um, Something about having that... Just that silence and the covering over my ears really helps me get in the zone and feel really focused. 
I have three books near my bed, which I never completely finish. I use them as imagination devices. This is Deborah, by the way, the glass artist we chatted with in April of 2021. So I'll choose one, open it to a page randomly, and read that page, and my mind will just start soaring with the imaginative ideas. One of the books is The Essential Rumi by Coleman Barks. Another is The Thieves' Journal by John Germain. And another is Eric Fromm, The Art of Loving. These are all older books because I've been doing this for years. My body is put in a creative state with monotony. If I'm sitting in a train, looking out a window, at a landscape, I have an empty mind with very little stimulation. And that's when the magic happens. That's when new creative thoughts are put in there. I can simulate this with a sleep app, so a pre-sleep state and the monotony of a train ride are similar, but my most creative time is a pre-wake state. So if I had a very deep sleep before fully waking, I start to come into consciousness, and that moment is the single most creative time in my life. I guess I should be taking more naps. My name is Alexis Joseph, and I own and run Case for Making with a wonderful team of people. Um, and right now, this is my art practice, running this small business with some lovely people who are helping to run it with me. Uh, and I actually live around the corner, so what helps me get in the right frame of mind is my stroll, my two-minute or so stroll around the corner. It just helps me to physically leave one space and enter another, kind of leave that mind-mental space of being at home and taking care of things there and think about what I need to do when I get into the shop and into my office and what I need to do at work. It also helps to sort of uh, be with everybody here in this space and work together and check in with each other as we're both, as we're all kind of getting ready for our day, see if there's any personal updates and then sort of transition into all right, like, what do we what do we need to get done today? And how are we going to tackle this together? And how are we also going to have fun doing it? Yeah, so thanks, everybody. You've just heard from a collection of people who work with a wide range of materials, from professionals, working artists, people who have home studios in their living rooms, nomads on the road, writers, art educators, I loved how each person had a vividly unique experience, but there were some overlaps. There were themes of tidying a space or limiting your sensory input. I also noticed a theme of communicating with others who you collaborate with, touching base with whatever creative energy you call in, paying attention to feelings inside of your body, a specific outfit, or having a specific drink, sparking imagination with imaginative devices, or leaning into monotonous, relaxed states of mind. Usually we associate monotony with boredom or wasted time. And I love how Deborah and Matthew and other creatives are noticing that that time is actually a great way 
to have the brain relax enough that we open up to possibility and allow inspiration to come to us instead of constantly seeking out gratification, entertainment, and quote-unquote valuable experiences. I want to share more about the artist residency that Liz and I are engaging with this summer. Associate producer Liz and I are currently in Freehold, New York, to be a part of the Freehold Art Exchange, a residency program based on 57 acres of land in the Catskills. We'll be teaming up with investigative reporter and audio storyteller Lucy Kang to explore sound as a storytelling medium. After a week of audio, Liz and Lucy will head home, and I'll be joined by beekeeper and Roll and fiber artist Selena Loomis for a week-long residency focusing on pollinators. Now, I want to tell you how this residency came to be so that I can demystify the application process and kind of share how leaning into possibility and allowing for flexibility, you can manifest what you actually want. I decided to apply to Freehold because of the advice of Alicia, my good friend, former guest on the show, and co-creator of Pineywood Atlas. I asked her, if I were to apply to any of the residencies that you and Carolina have cataloged across the United States, which one would you recommend? She answered, I think you would like Freehold. And she was right. It's in my home state, surrounded by the nature that I love, with a ceramic studio on site, and a focus on the environment and social justice. I applied and received an invitation to attend from the director, Piper. And COVID willing, I would visit during the summer of 2021. Because the farmhouse can accommodate up to six artists, Piper asked me if I would consider curating a group residency. I had never curated a group residency before, and I was excited to bring others into the experience. As you heard earlier, Liz and I have never actually been in person working on this show together. This has been a pandemic project, a bi-coastal project. We communicate over text and Zoom calls with me working late into the night on the West Coast to get something to Liz in the AM on the East Coast. This residency is a chance for the two of us to be together. And I also wanted to explore more of audio and widen the experience. I put out a call for applications in the Bay Area through various audio list serves. We clicked with Lucy and it was a go. As you can imagine, taking a couple weeks off for an artist residency, whether you've got a nine to five job, you've got freelance gigs, your family life, whatever structures you have in place, it can be difficult. And so even though we had two weeks available, things shifted throughout the year and Lucy and Liz could only come for one week. I was feeling like, okay, fine. I will just spend the following week doing my own thing. But then Lucy suggested that I create a second residency with a second batch of artists. I was intrigued. What would it be about? I would have already completed a week of audio and audio is like my thing these days. Maybe I could switch it up and do something completely different. If I could choose anything to explore for one week, who would I want to learn from and build community with? And what would I want to focus on? I've become more and more fascinated with bees. And, spoiler alert, I know that I will be doing a future episode on beeswax as an art material. After watching a few documentaries, starting to obsess over pollinators in general, and falling in love with the properties of wax, 
I thought, you know, why don't I do a week-long residency for folks who have a connection to pollinators, bees, or beeswax? I created an application for the second week and posted it on Material Feels Instagram page. Two dreamy artists applied. Selena, a fiber artist whose parents were beekeepers and who's interested in herbalism, making their own solves as a form of healing and as a way of connecting to the world around them. And Ange, a beekeeper who has been in the business for 10 years. They are also a facilitator where they teach people what we can learn from the way that bees organize themselves. By the time this episode drops, I will be in the thick of these two residencies. I can't wait to share my experiences with you when I resurface. Before we close out, I want to mention something on this show that I lean into often, both as a narrative tool, but also as a life philosophy, rabbit holes. It's when I sit with a person and focus on a particular material, but other topics come out of the woodwork that I want to explore. I think there is intrinsic value in following those rabbit holes that spark your interest. Often we're slowed down by external forces or ourselves. We're told that the rabbit hole isn't appropriate. It's not the right time. We get the message, hey, you're not a rabbit. You shouldn't be going down that hole. Or what's the point? How do you know what is on the other side? How can you tell it's worth it? And so a lot of rabbit holes go unexplored. A lot of tunnels go untraveled. The ideas and concepts teeming underground are kept there because once we start excavating, we will discover that the world is much deeper and vast than we ever thought. We can't just go back to the above ground where we were focused on the fruit of the tree instead of the network of mycelium that, similar to neurons, has infinite ability to grow and expand. This episode has me phoning in from my own series of rabbit holes. I'm calling you to invite you underground. What tunnels are you eyeing? I'm not entirely certain what will come from these two weeks at Freehold, but I can set an intention and an invitation because you are a part of the potion too. You'll be there with me in spirit because I'm sitting with audio for one week and bees for the second week, and I'll be crafting and exploring and expressing myself. I'll be building out something that eventually I will share with you. I wanted to send out this update and let you know what I'm up to and kind of open the door to sharing something I've never done before with you. I also wanted to share the behind the scenes activities that lead up to an artist residency, the back and forth, trying a new thing, the serendipity, and the commitment necessary to make it happen. I don't believe it's mystical, I don't believe it's luck, and I don't believe it's impossible. I was inspired by the people I spoke to, by the organic evolution of this show and the conversations it generates. That momentum propelled me forward to step into these unknown places. So, in typical material feels fashion, I leave you with two questions. First, if you could design your own artist residency for one week, what would you choose to focus on and who would you want to go with? Secondly, what rituals in your life can you connect to creative impulses? Material Feels is produced by me, your host, Catherine Monahan. I'm a writer and audio storyteller with a background in art. 
Associate producer Elizabeth Elise composes original music for the show as well. This episode features sounds from www.freesound.org, as well as underscores by MSFX, and music created just for the show by Elizabeth. The show is a labor of love, and your contributions mean the world. Here's how you can support our creative community. Share the show with your friends and your family. Overshare it. Just do it. Spill the beans. Post about the show on social media and follow us on Instagram at Material Feels, all one word. Contribute to the Black Freedom Fellowship, an artist residency that decolonizes travel and supports Black artists. Pay Shumi or contribute financially to local Indigenous-led groups. Check out Brown Sugar Botanicals, our sponsor, and continue falling in love with the material world and falling down those rabbit holes in whatever way feels good to you. See you next time. Bye.